Chapters One and Two of Christmas A Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas A Story by Zona Gale. Chapter One. It was in October that Mary Chava burned over the grass of her lawn, and the flame ran free across the place where in spring her wildflower bed was made. Two weeks later she had there a great patch of purple violets. And all old trail town, which takes account of its neighbors' flowers, of the migratory birds, of eclipses and the like, came to see the wonder. "'Mary Chava,' said most of the village, "'you're the luckiest woman alive. "'If a miracle was bound to happen, "'it'd get itself happen to you.' "'I don't believe in miracles, though,' "'Mary wrote to Jenny Wing. "'These just come natural, "'only we don't know how.' "'That is miracles,' Jenny wrote back. "'They do come natural. "'We don't know how.' "'At this rate,' said Ellen Bourne, "'one of Mary's neighbors, "'you'll be having roses bloom in your yard "'about Christmas time.' "'for a Christmas present.' "'I don't believe in Christmas,' Mary said. "'I thought you knew that. "'But I'll take the roses, though, "'if they come in the winter,' she added, "'with her queer flash of smile. "'When it was dusk, or early in the morning, "'Mary Chava, with her long shawl over her head, "'stooped beside the violets "'and loosened the earth about them with her whole hand, "'as if she reverenced violets more than fingertips.' and she thought ain't it just as if spring was right back of the air all the time and it could come if we knew how to call it but we don't know but whatever she thought about it mary kept in her heart for it was as if not only spring but new life or some other holy thing were nearer than one thought and had spoken to her there on the edge of winter and old trail town asked itself ain't mary chava the funniest look how nice she is about everything and yet you know she won't never keep christmas at all no sir she ain't kept a single christmas in years i don't know why end of chapter 1 christmas a story by zona gale chapter 2 Moving about on his little lawn in the dark, Ebenezer Rule was aware of two deeper shadows before him. They were between him and the leafless lilacs and mulberries that lined the street wall. A moment before he had been looking at that darkness and remembering how, once, as a little boy, he had slept there under the wall and had dreamed that he had a kingdom. "'Who is't?' he asked sharply. "'Hello, Ebenezer,' said Simeon Buck. "'It's only me and Abel. We're all.' Ebenezer Rule came toward them. It was so dark that they could barely distinguish each other. Their voices had to do it all. "'What are you doing out here?' one of the deeper shadows demanded. "'Oh, nothing,' said Ebenezer irritably. "'Not a thing.' He did not ask them to go in the house, and the three stood there awkwardly, handling the time like a blunt instrument. Then Simeon Buck, proprietor of the Simeon Buck North American Dry Goods Exchange, plunged into what they had come to say. 
ebenezer he said with those variations of intonation which mean an effort to be delicate is is there any likelihood that the factory will open up this fall no there ain't ebenezer said like something shutting nor nor this winter simeon pursued no sir said ebenezer like something opening again to shut with a bang well if you're sure said simeon ebenezer cut him short i'm dead sure he said i've turned over my orders to my brother's house in the city he can handle em all and not have to pay his men a cent more wages and this was as if something had been locked well said simeon then abel i move we go ahead abel ames proprietor of the granger county merchandise emporium the a t stewarts of the middle west he advertised it sighed heavily a vast triple sigh that seemed to sigh both in and out as a schoolboy whistles <sighs> well he said i hate to do it but i'll be bill blowed if i want to think of paying for a third or so of this town's christmas presents and carrying em right through the winter i done that last year and fourth of july i had all i could do to keep from wishing most of the crowd merry christmas count of their still owing me i'm a merchant and a citizen but i ain't no patent adjustable christmas tree me neither simeon said last year it was me give a silk cloak and a five-dollar umbrella and a fur bore and a bushel of knick-knacks to the folks in this town my name went on the cards but it's me that's paid for em up to now i'm sick of it the storekeepers of this town may make a good thing out of christmas but they'd ought to get some of the credit instead of giving it all by josh what are you going to do inquired ebenezer dryly well of course last year was an exceptional year said abel owing he hesitated to say owing to the failure of the ebenezer rule factory company and so stammered with the utmost delicacy and skipped a measure and we thought simeon finished that if the factory wasn't going to open up this winter we'd work things so's to have little or no christmas in town this year being so much of the present giving falls on us to carry on our books it ain't only the factory wages of course abel interposed it's the folks savings being et up in the failure he would have added but skipped a mere beat instead and we want to try to give em a chance to pay us up for last christmas before they come on to themselves with another celebration he added reasonably ebenezer rule laughed a descending scale of laughter that seemed to have no organs wherewith to function in the open and so never got beyond the gutturals <laughs> how you going to fix it he inquired again why said simeon everybody in town's talking that they ain't going to give anybody anything for christmas some means it and some don't some'll do it and some'll back out but the churches has decided to omit christmas exercises altogether this year some thought to have speaking pieces but everybody concluded if they had exercises without oranges and candy the children would go home disappointed so they've left the whole thing slide it don't seem just right for em not to celebrate the birth of our lord just because they can't afford the candy abel ames observed mildly 
but Simeon hurried on. Slide, and my idea and Abel's is to get the town meeting to vote a petition to the same effect, asking the town not to try to do anything with their Christmas this year. We heard the factory wasn't going to open, and we thought if we could tell him that for sure it would settle it, and save him and me and all the rest of em. Would, would you be willing for us to tell the town meeting that? It's tonight. We're on our way there. Sure, said Ebenezer Rule. Tell him. And you might point out to him, he added, with his spasm of gutturals, that failures is often salutary measures, public benefactions, fixes folks so's they can't spend their money fool. He walked with them across the lawn, going between them and guiding them among the empty aster beds. They think I et up their savings in the failure, he went on, when all I done is to bring em face to face with the fact that for years they've been overspending themselves. It takes Christmas to show that up. This whole Christmas business is about wore out anyhow, ain't it? That's what, Simeon said. It's a spendin' sham from edge to edge. Abel Ames was silent. The three skirted the flower-beds and came out on the level sweep of turf before the house that was no house in the darkness, save that they remembered how it looked. A square, smoked thing, with a beard of dead creepers, and white shades, lidded over its never-lighted windows, a fit home for this man least liked of the three hundred neighbors who made Old Trail Town. He touched the elbows of the other two men as they walked in the dark, but he rarely touched any human being. And now Abel Ames suddenly put his hand down on that of Ebenezer, where it lay in the crook of Abel's elbow. "'What you got there?' he asked. "'Nothing much,' Ebenezer answered irritably again. "'It's an old glass. I was looking over some rubbish, and I found it over back. It's a field glass.' "'What you got a field-glass out in the dark for?' Abel demanded. "'I used to fool with it some when I was a little shaver,' Ebenezer said. He put the glass in Abel's hand. "'On the sky,' he added. Abel lifted the glass and turned it on the heavens. There, above the little side-lawn, the firmament had unclothed itself of branches and lay in a glorious nakedness to three horizons.' "'Thunder,' Abel said. "'Look at em! Look!' Sweeping the field with the lens, Abel spoke meanwhile. "'Seems as if I'd kind of miss all the fuss in the store around Christmas,' he said, "'the extra rush and the trimming up and all.' "'Abel'll miss lavish in his store with cut paper, I guess,' said Simeon. "'He dotes on tassels.' "'Last year,' Abel went on, not lowering the glass, I had a little kid come in the store Christmas Eve that I'd never see before. He asked me if he could get warm, and he sat down on the edge of a chair by the stove, and he took in everything in the place. I asked him his name, and he just smiled. I asked him if he was glad it was Christmas, and he says, was I. I was going to give him some cough drops, but when I come back from waiting on somebody, he was gone. I never could find out who he was, nor see anybody that saw him. I thought mebbe this Christmas he'd come back. Lord, don't it look like a pasture of buttercups up there. Here, Simeon. Simeon, talking, took the glass and lifted it to the stars. 
"'Cut paper doin's is all very well,' he said, "'but the worst nightmare of the year to the stores is Christmas. "'I always think it's come to be "'peace on earth, goodwill to men, and extravagance of women.' "'Quite a nice little till of gold pieces up there in the sky, ain't it? "'I'd kind of like to stake a claim out up there, eh? "'Lay it out along about around that bright one down there. "'By Josh,' he broke off, "'look at that bright one.' "'Simeon kept looking through the glass, "'and he leaned a little forward to try to see the better. "'What is it?' he repeated. "'What's that one? "'It's the biggest star I ever see.' The other two looked where he was looking, low in the east, but they saw nothing save boughs indeterminately moving, and a spatter of sparkling points not more bright than those of the upper field. "'You look,' Simeon bade the vague presence that was his host, but through the glass Ebenezer still saw nothing that challenged his sight. "'I don't know the name of a star in the sky except the dipper,' he grumbled. "'but I don't see anything out of the ordinary anyhow.' "'It is,' Simeon protested. "'I tell you, it's the biggest star I ever saw. "'It's blue and purple and green and yellow.' "'Abel had the glass now, "'and he had looked hardly sooner than he had recognized. "'Sure,' he said, "'I've got it. "'It is blue and purple and green and yellow, "'and it's as big as most stars put together. "'It twinkles, yes, sir, and it swings.' He broke off, laughing at the mystification of the others, and laughed so that he could not go on. "'Is it a comet, do you suppose?' said Simeon. "'No,' said Abel. "'No, it's come to stay. It's our individual private star. It's the arc-light in front of the town hall you two are looking at.' They moved to where Abel stood, and from there, up the rise of ground to the east, they could see Simeon's star shining softly and throwing long rays, it seemed, almost to where they stood. The lamp that marked the heart of the village. Shucks, said Simeon. Sold, said Ebenezer. Why, I don't know, said Abel. I kind of like to see it through the glass. It looks like it was a bigger light than we give it credit for. It's a big enough light, said Ebenezer testily. It was his own plant at the factory that made possible the town's three arc lights, and these had been continued by him at the factory's closing. No use making fun of your friend's eyesight, because you're all of twenty minutes younger than them, Simeon grumbled. Come on, Abel, it must be getting round the clock. Abel lingered. A man owns the whole thing with a glass of this stamp, he said. How much does one like that cost, he inquired. "'I'll sell you this one,' began Ebenezer. "'Wait a week or two, and I may sell you this one,' he said. "'I ain't really looked through it myself yet.' Not much after this the two went away and left Ebenezer in the dark yard. He stood in the middle of his little grass plot and looked through his glass again. That night there was, so to say, nothing remote about the sky save its distance— it had none of the reticence of clouds. It made you think of a bed of golden bells, each invisible stalk trying on its own account to help forward some spring. As he had said, he did not know one star from another, nor a planet for a planet with a name. It had been years since he had seen the heavens so near. He moved about, 
looking, and passed the wall of leafless lilacs and mulberries. Stars hung in his boughs like fruit for the plucking. They patterned patches of sky. He looked away and back, and it was as if the stars repeated themselves, like the chorus of everything. "'You beggars,' Ebenezer said. "'Awful dressed up, ain't you? "'It must be for something up there. "'It ain't for anything down here, let me tell you.' He went up to his dark back door. From without there he could hear Kate Carr, his general servant, who had sufficient personality to compel the term housekeeper, setting sponge for bread with a slapping hollow sound and a force that implied a frown for every downstroke of the iron spoon. He knew how she would turn toward the door as he entered, with her way of arching eyebrows, in the manner of one about to recite the symptoms of a change for the worse, or at best to say, about the same to everything in the universe. And when Kate Carr spoke, she always whispered on the faintest provocation. A sudden distaste for the entire inside of his house seized Ebenezer. He turned and wandered back down the little dark yard, looking up at the high field of the stars with only his dim eyes. There must be quite a little to know about them, he thought, if anybody was enough interested. Then he remembered Simeon and Abel, and laughed again in his way. <laughs> I'd done the town a good turn for once, didn't I, he thought. I've fixed folks so's they can't spend their money fool. Two steps from Ebenezer's front gate, Simeon and Abel overtook a woman. She had a long shawl over her head, and she was humming some faint air of her own making. "'Coming to the meeting, Mary?' Simeon asked, as they passed her. "'No,' said Mary Chava. "'I started for it, but it's such a nice night I'm going to walk around.' "'Things are going to go your way to that meeting, I guess,' said Simeon. "'Ain't you always found fault with Christmas?' "'There's a lot of nonsense about it,' Mary assented. "'I don't ever bother myself much with it. "'Why?' "'I don't know, but we'll all come round to your way of thinking tonight,' said Simeon. "'For just this year,' Abel Ames called back as they went on. "'You can't do much else, I guess,' said Mary. "'Everybody dips Christmas up out of their pocket-books, "'and if there ain't nothing there, they can't dip.' The men laughed with her and went on down the long street toward the town. Mary followed slowly, under the yellowing elms that made great golden shades for the dim post-lamps. And high at the far end of the street down which they went hung the blue arc-light before the town hall, centre to the constellation of the home-lights and the shop-lights and the street-lights, all near neighbours to the stream and sweep of the stars hanging a little higher, and shining as by one sun. End of chapter 2